Grateful to be together this morning, grateful to celebrate what God is doing in our church and in our teams and in all these different areas of our lives. It is fall and it is cold, so I had to put a hoodie on, but you know, we're, we made it through and, and uh, today is a special day in our, the life of our church as we celebrate team and we celebrate what God is desiring to do in and through each and every one of us. We understand that, that, that the body of Christ is God's idea and our desire is to be at work and be about the Lord's business and be part of what He is desiring to do in our church and our families and our community. And this morning we are celebrating that and, and talking a little bit more about what we believe God is calling us to as a church. And we'll be talking more about that in the coming days as well as we continue to look uh, towards the future of what God is desiring to do at Neighborhood Church and in our, our city and our schools and our families. And uh, so this morning we turn our attention there. As Carly had mentioned, at Royal Family Kids Camp, we are continuing to raise funds for this important ministry. And uh, we would just invite you if, you, if you've grabbed an envelope, make sure you fill that up and bring it back. If you already grabbed one and turned it in, grab another one. Um, there, is, there is plenty of time for us in the next couple weeks uh, to make sure that we bless this, uh, this great ministry as they uh, do ministry to foster kids. And uh, we'll, I know that it will be a great blessing. And then for, for our membership class, our greatest desire is if you've been at Neighborhood Church for a while, maybe you've been kicking the tires for the last few months or maybe even the last few years, but you haven't taken that next step in uh, continuing your uh, dedication and commitment to Neighborhood Church, uh, membership is just a, that next step, that next step of saying we're committed, we're part of this community, we're part of this church family, and so we look forward to having a great time together on the 14th of November. But I'm excited for Team Day. I'm excited as we really emphasize the part that we all play in the work of God. You know, church is not about, um, you know, pastors and, and, and leaders standing up and saying great and amazing things. It's not just about us coming together and, and worshiping together. It's absolutely about each and every one of us doing our part to live out our faith in such a way that points people to Jesus. And it goes far beyond the walls of this church. It goes far beyond what we do on Sundays or, or the gatherings that we have midweek or the, the Bible studies or the breakfasts or the areas that we come together to gather. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. Because God is desiring to do His great work through each and every one of us. Through our church community. Through our efforts to reach outside of the walls of this church. And today's a special day. We, for the past year and a half, I, I, I know that everyone's navigated through a season where there's much of what we've prioritized as a, as a church has, was, was, was taken away. We had to step back for a season. And you know, it's interesting, these seasons where we sometimes lose things that are near and dear to our hearts, the ability to gather together, the ability to, to do this or do that, ability to see each other's faces. Sometimes they, they get us in this place where we, we, get to, we get frustrated and we get grumpy. We get upset about the things that we don't have. But I find myself in this season being grateful for the things that we do have. I find myself being grateful for the, the privilege and the opportunity that we have to encourage one another. The ability that we have to, to, to freely worship. 
and the ability we have to, to come alongside of, of people and to love them and to care for them. We believe as a church community that God is calling us again to come together to fulfill Jesus' purpose. And His purpose was, was singular. It was to seek and to save the lost. And when it comes right down to it, as a church community, our mission should not be any different. To love people. To point them to Jesus. To come alongside of them in their struggles and their, the things that they navigate in life. To understand that every one of us has been redeemed by God. You know, we've, we've talked about this idea that we aren't meant to do life alone. That we're not, we're not meant to be isolated. But we're meant to be in community. We're, we're sporting our, our jerseys and our sports memorabilia, many of us, this morning. Really just to promote the beauty of team. You know, I've been a 49ers fan since I was a kid. I was, I was born into me. You know, born in the Bay Area, and my dad was, grew up in the, the Bay Area, and so we're, 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 we're pretty faithful 49er and, and San Francisco Giants fans. And Although our Giants just couldn't quite pull it off, we're still hanging on for our, for our Niners, and we've gone some, through some good seasons and some bad seasons. And we find ourselves sometimes in that same mentality in life. We go through good seasons and we go through bad seasons. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed how much easier it is to navigate through seasons, good or bad, when we do it together? When we come alongside of one another and we weather the storm together? When we have people who can come alongside of us and, and really celebrate the victories of what God is doing in our lives with us? It's so much greater when we can do that. The reality is that the greatest team ever conceived was that of God's church. Truly. When God breathed life into His church, when He built this idea of community at the very beginning, it was good. And it was something that God desired to see grow and multiply so that His message could be taken and we see throughout Scripture the, the importance placed on the body of Christ and this team mentality that must exist in our journey of faith. Your faith is not just for you. The grace that God has shown me is not just for me to take and just to hold and to hide. And to, but it's something that we should share. Now the truth is the success of the local church is wholly dependent on each one of us carrying that team spirit. Each one of us seeing the part that we play in the community of God. And us being willing to step into our God-given gifts and passions, talents, things that God has wired right into us. I was in the office on, on Friday getting some, some work done and, and who do I see walk right in front of my window? They're going to kill me for saying it, but Ken and Carol Houston out working to beautify our grounds, to, to plant things, to, to tend to the flowers and the plants around our office building. Not because anybody was watching. Not because anybody asked them to. But because out of the kindness of their heart, they desired to be used. They desired to use a talent. 
If you've ever been over to their house, you know it's a gift. Their beautiful garden. But we're called to step into our God-given gifts. Today's message is simply entitled, Teamwork. Because at the end of the day, it's about God's team. You and I are a part of God's team. It sounds maybe a little cliche. It sounds maybe a little churchy. But the reality is we are part of God's team. When we step into relationship with Jesus, He invites us into community. He invites us into relationship. That's with one another and with Him. You know, I think, I think every one of us can probably recall a time when we were either involved in, directly impacted by, or, or truly inspired by the resilience of a team. You know, maybe you like watching movies and you, you watch a sports movie and it gets you all fired up and excited. You know, I've got my Jerry Rice jersey on today. The, the greatest wide receiver to ever play the game of football. But you know what I love about Jerry Rice? I loved his work ethic. He was an amazing receiver, but it wasn't by accident. It's because he worked, and he worked, and he worked. He worked harder than anybody else. And can that be said of our faith? Can that be said of our walk with Jesus? That daily we are committing ourselves to what the Lord is desiring to do in and through our lives. That, that daily we're giving up control and surrendering ourselves to Him and the gifts and the talents that He's gifted us. You know, when I think about team, it, it brings back memories of watching my wife Gretchen play softball. She was a collegiate softball pitcher, and she was pretty incredible. If you, if you think there's, there's athletes in our family, there are. But they are sitting here. And I remember watching her in our you know, conference championship games and she went to nationals three or four times, and she was amazing. I remember the, 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 just watching the intricacies of her pitch and her strategize how she was going to pitch to a batter, and then them winning games that they weren't supposed to win. We think about these pictures. I also think of movies like Miracle. Has everybody seen the, the, the movie Miracle, The Miracle on Ice? Right? It depicts the, the 1980 U.S. national hockey team that goes to Lake Placid and goes up against the, 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 the world-known Russian hockey team that had dominated everyone for years. And this U.S. team was a team that no one gave a chance to. Nobody even thought had a chance to be even skate on the same ice as the Russians, much less beat them. But they all came together from different walks under a common goal. And I love, I love in the movie, there's all these different moments, but Kurt Russell, who plays Coach Herb Brooks, at the end of the movie, he's reminiscing about this amazing special team. And he characterizes teamwork saying, I've often been asked in years since Lake Placid, what was the best moment for me? Well, it was here, the sight of 20 young men of such differing backgrounds now standing as one. There's something to be said of, of teams that come together under a common goal and a common purpose. Understanding that 
individually we can do a lot. But together, we can do incredible, impossible things. And that's the, truly the essence of team is placing the needs of the many over our own. Placing the mission of Jesus over our desires. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines teamwork as a joint action by a group of people in which individual interests are subordinated to group unity and efficiency. Coordinated efforts as of an athletic team. It's interesting. We oftentimes, when we think about teamwork, we think of athletics. right? We, we think of sports. And why, why do you think that is? I, I believe it's because sports... There's always, almost, almost always a clear winner and a clear loser. So we get teamwork. Hey, when we work together as a team, we win. And when we don't, we lose. Or maybe we didn't do it as well as the other team. But successful team efforts are, are not accidental. They don't just happen by chance. They're always intentional. Because teamwork at its core is built on principles of unity. And commonality. There's three central reasons why teamwork works. Compelling purpose, communication of vision, and commonly held commitment. So let's talk about this. Compelling purpose. We have a purpose at Neighborhood Church. It's to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. To lead people into that relationship with God. To help them to find faith, to help them to find belief, and to lead them towards God's purpose for their lives. What's our vision? It's to love God, love people, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus and his plan for our lives, and to go out and to be the neighborhood to our community, to reach outside of ourselves to bless people. What are our cultural commitments? We believe in community. We believe in bringing people together from all walks of life and sharing relationship and encouraging one another. We believe in people. We believe that there are people that are hurting and that they need a place to belong. They need a place to find hope. We believe in uncommon generosity. The ability we have to bring our resources and our time and our gifts and our talents to bless the people around us. We believe in reaching outside of ourselves across the street and around the world. We believe we're called to care enough to share the Gospel. That we should see people around us as those who God loves and desires to reach. And we know that when we find hope in Jesus, it becomes an infectious thing. Hope becomes something that people want to grab hold of. You know, I, I find it interesting as, as Jesus began His ministry, almost immediately He forms a team. Do you guys see that in Scripture? Jesus goes through life. He lives this, this amazing life and He and begins to step into His ministry calling. And what's the first thing He does? He starts calling other people. We see it in Matthew 4 as He begins to call the disciples. Follow Me. Leave your nets. Follow Me. He builds a team. 
But the question is why? Why would Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, need a team? Why would he need a team? He's got it all figured out. He's God. So we have to ask ourselves, why? Why would Jesus call people? The answer is quite simple. It's the multiplication of the Gospel message. When we come together, when each one of us brings God's gifts, strengths, and talents, the Gospel is multiplied. The message is multiplied. Because you have a sphere of influence that I don't have. You know people that I don't know. You rub shoulders with with people that I'll never meet. Each one of us has a part to play. Each one of us has a job to do. So why is the ministry of the local church still so important and relevant? Because I'll tell you right now, there are people who don't think the local church is relevant anymore. There are people who think the church is just kind of going away. I can get church online. I can watch from home. Dan's not as entertaining as that other guy, so I'll watch him. And people think that the local church is just kind of a thing of the past. church has lost its influence I would contend that the ministry of the local church is important because it exists and is embodied in your life story and mine the local church is you it's each one of you not just being here but going outside of this church and truly being the church to the people you come in contact with. Every one of us has a story of God's grace and love and redemption. And as it's shared, the church grows. As it's shared, the kingdom of God is increased. So let's take a look at our text today to discover more about team. Our, our, our text is a familiar passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 12, if you... Have your Bible, you can flip there. If you don't, you can jump on the YouVersion Bible app and find our notes. But 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts 
need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given great honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Father, we thank you that you were the one who came up with the idea of the body of Christ, that you brought us together as your body, that you desire that we would work in harmony to reach people, that your desire is that we would reach outside of ourselves to encourage and love and bless. Father, that we wouldn't get caught up in what we think the world needs, but we would press into your plan and your purpose for our lives, for our families, for our church, for our community. And we know, Father, as we work together as a team, we will see the work of God multiplied. We'll see the gospel message multiplied. So help us today, Father. Speak to our hearts and help us to understand your desire, your plan, your purpose. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this passage of Scripture is, is interesting as Paul is unpacking the church. Truly the, the church community, the body of Christ. And he speaks to every one of us, no matter how great or small we believe that we are. He says there's value. You know, I'm not an anatomy major. My, my wife was a sports science major, so she understands how the body works. I'm more in awe of how the body works. One of our sons is kind of following in her footsteps and knows all the different intricacies of, of the body. But I'm constantly amazed at how, how God has knit our bodies together and how you can cut yourself and your body will heal because of the way that God has created us. And those parts of the body that we can't even see that do work that we don't even know is going on. That when we get sick, our immune system sends things to attack that sickness and eradicate it from our body. And yet all these things we know are of value, we don't see them. We don't interact with them daily. But they're there. And the body of Christ is no different. Every one of us plays a part. There are people, there are those of you who are actively speaking and loving and caring for people in a way that is healing them from the inside out. That God is allowing you to, to speak spiritual life into somebody. And it's not happening on a stage or a platform. It's happening between people over coffee and in times of prayer and relationship. There are those of you who are serving in ways that nobody sees. And the glory of God is being seen on the outcome of those things. So as we dive deeper into our desire for teamwork at Neighborhood Church, there's a, a few key elements of team that I think we need to grasp and embrace this morning in order for us to see God's blessing on our church and on our families and our community. We need to understand that purpose drives action. Purpose drives action. 
We typically don't get up in the morning and just kind of go about our day. There are elements of our day that we bring intentional purpose to. I've got this meeting, so I've got to get there early and be ready and be prepared. Because I don't want to just be there. Be an empty shell of a person. I want to engage this interaction with purpose. And as it is with anything in life, the driving force behind any great and sustainable work is found in understanding our purpose. The driving force behind anything that we do is, is purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is our purpose on this world? What is our purpose in this life? To do good works. To reach outside of ourselves. To bless people. Because God created us to do that. He created us in advance to do good works, to bless people, to encourage one another. And as we embrace that God has created each one of us with a plan and a purpose, each one of us with gifts and talents, yours are different than mine, our purpose can best be understood in a a few different ways. First, we can understand our purpose by accepting what you're good at doing. Sometimes we get, we kind of, we kind of, overcomplicate purpose. It's like, well, I need to, you know, have the heavens open up and you know the choir sing and you know I need people to come alongside of me and the, the all of the rabbits should jump, you know, it should be like, you know, the movie Enchanted, you know, where everything is kind of in harmony and and you know and then I'll understand my purpose. Or maybe I'll find it on a fortune cookie when I go to the Chinese restaurant after church today. And God will just breathe purpose through that. We sometimes overcomplicate it. I'm waiting on God for my purpose. Here's the deal. You want to understand your purpose? Understand by accepting what you're good at doing. What are you good at that's unique? What are you good at that nobody else does? Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Cheerfully. Every one of us has a different gift. So what are you good at? Sometimes we kind of blow past the things that God has gifted us to do. We don't see the value in them because we're thinking maybe we should be doing something more important like that other person. But by accepting what we're good at, we're stepping into our purpose. We also need to acknowledge 
what we like doing. You know that God didn't create you to do something that you don't enjoy? Sometimes I think we think as followers of Jesus that it's all supposed to be miserable. Like if I'm truly following Jesus, I should be very unhappy and it should be a great burden. Is everything that we do always exciting and woo? No. No. Just because we have the ups and downs of our energy and our emotions and how the week's going and how people have interacted with us and somebody said something that kind of hurt my feelings and now I don't know what to do. No, but the things that God has gifted us to do should be something that we enjoy. It should be life-giving. It may be emotionally draining at times. But acknowledge what you like doing. What brings you joy? What, what do you not mind getting up early for or staying late to do? What is that thing that you say, I'll, I'll step up and I'll do that? We need to be aware of the things that add value to the lives of others. What is it that you do that adds value to other people? Because that's part of God's purpose for your life. Something that you can do uniquely. Too many people do things to get things. That seems to be our culture's answer is do something to get something. Bless somebody to be blessed. But that's not what God's desire is. What is it that you do that makes others around you better? Because that's when we're truly serving people. And finally, we should appreciate where God has placed us. Where has God placed you? Remember the story of Esther and Mordecai. Perhaps God has placed you here for such a time as this. God had purpose. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't like, oh, you know, wandering through and the king saw me. You know, I've got had a purpose for Esther's life and he has a purpose for your life and mine. You know, in, in accepting our giftedness and acknowledging what we like and being aware of how we can add value and appreciating where God has placed us, we find the power of purpose in team. When all those things come together, we begin to understand God's power and His purpose for your life, for mine, for our team, for our church, for our community, for those we need to reach. So understanding our purpose will drive our action, will drive the things that we do. We also need to understand that motivation is born out of deep commitment. Your motivation has to start with a commitment. Have you ever met people who are not committed to anything? Right? It's hard to be around them because one day they're going this way and, well, God told me to do this and then the next day they're over here and they're like, well, yeah, but I think He wants me to go this way. And you're kind of like, well, which one is it? But when we're truly committed to something, we'll do just about anything to see it accomplished, right? And we're committed to our kids and we'll do just about anything to see them succeed. We're committed to a goal. We'll do just about anything to see it through. 
one of the foundational components of impactful teams and sustained teamwork. Teamwork over time and years and is people's uncanny ability to stay focused on the goal until it's realized. And this kind of resolve begins with motivation. We're committed and we're motivated to see it through. Because it's not just about me. It's about the team. It's about what God is doing in and through our church. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was like the poster child in, in the Bible of, of this. You know, if there's anybody that we see in Scripture who's committed, it's Paul. Right? And it's interesting, Paul was pretty committed before he was Paul. When he was Saul, he was pretty committed to persecuting Christians and taking people out. And then he has this miraculous conversion and he begins to preach the Gospel. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He was pressing. He was pushing forward. He was motivated to see the Gospel fulfilled. He wasn't going to stop. He wasn't going to give up. Even when they chucked him in prison, he's like, I'm still preaching. I'm just preaching to these guys that I'm chained to. Right? Do we have that level of dedication? Do we have that level of commitment? Are we that motivated that no matter what happens, no matter if they put masks on us or take masks off us or lock us in a, you know, in a room by ourselves, are we so committed to the Gospel that no matter what happens, we will move forward? knowing that as we walk in obedience, God is going to be glorified and the Gospel message is going to be preached? Are we that committed? Paul describes a deep commitment of struggle and perseverance. Forgetting what is behind and straining. Straining towards what is ahead. What does that word straining mean? Is that a happy, enjoyable, comfortable, cozy term? Like, I just want to put on my football jersey and sit down on the couch. I just want to strain for a little while. It's going to be great. I love straining. No, it takes work. It takes dedication. It takes commitment. So how do we remain that focused and motivated? How do we stay in that frame of mind and that understanding that We've got to stay dedicated to what God is doing. You know, to understand how to be motivated and focused, we should probably understand what it means to walk in motivation. What does that word motivation mean? The word itself is comprised of the root word motive or motivate, and then the suffix shun, T I O N. Motive or motivate, it's, it's that which causes a person to do something or act in a certain way. What is your motive? What, is your, what motivates you? It's the, the incentive or the goal. It's the thing that propels us forward. Well, what does that little suffix mean? T-I-O-N, shun. Signifies a state of being or present existence as. So when you put those two things together, motivation should be understood as the state of being driven by an inner force or act of doing something. 
What is your motivation? Is your motivation just to get the things done that you want to get done today? Is your motivation God's plan and purpose for your life? Because motivation is born out of commitment. And this motivation stems from an understanding that we are all committed and working together to see the plan of God fulfilled. When we come together as a team to see God's message carried forward, amazing things start to happen. The Gospel is preached outside the walls of Neighborhood Church. And it's not just up, up to the pastoral team. Now all of a sudden, we're all taking up the mantle. And as we understand God's desire that none would perish, remember, He sent His Son that none would perish. Our level of selfless commitment to the team and purposeful motivation will result in a multiplication of lives saved and reached. When we choose to step into God's motivation for our life, people's lives are changed. People's family trees are transformed. And God's kingdom is increased. But we've got to be willing to be motivated and to be committed to what God is doing. We've got to understand our purpose to be driven by God's message and His mandate for our life. The next thought is this. Blessed are the flexible. They shall not easily be broken. Sounds very churchy, doesn't it? Should have been in the Beatitudes, it's not. Why wasn't this one in the Bible? It should have been in the Bible. But the reality is, when we remain flexible, the things, the twists and turns of life won't impact us quite so deeply and greatly as they ordinarily would. When we work together in the context of team, it's always important we understand that what we do individually should be in support of the team. What we do individually should be in support of God's call. And to that end, we have to be willing to be flexible. We're all a little bit control freakish about different things. And sometimes there's things that happen in church that kind of rub us the wrong way or kind of you know, collide with what we believe should be happening. Blessed are the flexible. Another way of saying this is we need to be adaptable. Does that mean we change the message of the Gospel? No. But it does mean that we can embrace that God is doing a new thing. That God is desiring to reach people in unique and different ways. So how do you handle change? Who in here likes change? Man, there's like three of us. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, we all, we all tend to say, oh yeah, I like change. Until people start changing things and then you don't like change as much. Right? We've all been there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with change. Just don't change that. You know, like that the way it is. But the reality is, adaptable people are also often the most teachable. When we allow ourselves to be changed and molded and taught, challenged, 
Good things happen in life. If we allow ourselves to remain teachable, then we might just learn something. Maybe just learn something new. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Imagine that. If we need to understand something, if we need wisdom, we can ask God. He'll give it to us. Proverbs 2, verse 1, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Are we asking God for wisdom daily? Are we trying to be teachable? In other words, if you love to learn, you'll remain teachable. Adaptable people are also secure in their gifts and their role. People who are flexible know themselves, know their giftings, know what God has called them to do and are okay to exist within that. They don't seek attention or notoriety. They don't, aren't motiv- motivated by you know, everybody acknowledging their success. They're motivated, motivated by the success of others. And they're content in the team moving forward together. They're content in God getting the glory. Adaptable and flexible people are driven by their desire to serve others. Paul was the greatest example of this commitment to adapt. We see in Scripture, he says, whether he was with Jews or Greeks or Romans, he became like them in order to reach them. 1 Corinthians 9.19 Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share my blessings and its blessings. Are you unwilling to change? Because if we're unwilling to change and adapt, we may be missing an opportunity to reach people. We may be missing an opportunity to be used. It's critically important we remain flexible and adaptable in order to help strengthen and support the goal of the team. As the worship team returns, the final thought this morning is this. Collaboration allows everyone to add value and to feel valued. John Maxwell explains the need for teams to be collaborative, stating working together precedes winning together. realize that no team ever won without at first putting the work in together they had to come together in a common goal and a common theme and and begin to work together and this idea of collaboration at its core has been been defined as the ability to work together in synergistic aggressive 
in a deliberate manner. That means everybody's doing the work. Everybody's coming together. It is so much more than just working together. It's more than just each of us happily doing our little part. We can sometimes get so content and, well, I'm playing this little part and this is what I do and I, I'm not going to go outside of the wall, you know, the realm of what I'm called to do. But what happens when the person walks in the, the doors of the church and they're hurting and they're struggling? Well, I can't leave my post because I'm supposed to be here you know, shaking people's hands and greeting them, but it's clear this person needs something. Are we willing to change? Are we willing to adapt? Are we willing to reach outside ourselves? Collaboration embraces the incredible reality that as we combine the abilities and efforts of the whole team, we effectively multiply the outcome. We talked about it before. The beauty of teamwork, multiplication. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. It's God's plan and purpose carried out. and embraces the incredible reality that we can effectively multiply the outcome. Paul encourages us to have the mind of Christ when it comes to collaboration. He tells us that we need to come together as believers to strengthen one another. But collaboration is built on trust. In order for us to be a team, in order for us to succeed together, We have to trust one another. When we assume the best of one another, we will naturally strive to encourage one another. But when we're suspicious of one another, we're always going to think the worst. Why didn't so-and-so show up on time? What's going on with them anyways? Why did they leave their post? They were supposed to be opening the doors. But when we walk in trust, we lift one another. We strengthen one another. Keeping the right focus also helps us to keep an attitude of collaboration. It can't be what's in it for me or maybe somebody else can do this. I've been doing this for years. Instead, we should ask, what do we need to do to make this happen? What do we need to do to reach more people? How can we get it done so that God is glorified? Teams at their core sacrifice for one another. They're open and honest with each other. They're they're always loyal to God's plan and purpose. And to each other. And to the mission of the church. And our ability to continue to empower and grow our church community is wholly dependent on each one of us playing our part. Every one of us doing something. Effective and dedicated teamwork will come out of each one of us being purposeful, motivated, flexible, and collaborative. God's relational and loving characteristics are embodied in our willingness to help people. Knowing that as we help people, God's glorified. As we strengthen people, as we serve people, I mean, at the end of the day, the passage of Scripture says it best, when we serve them, We serve God. We serve one another. We serve God. Going back to our 
our movie reference. Coach Herb Brooks at, at one point in the Miracle movie says, this cannot be a team of common men. Because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. What does that mean for us today? We cannot be a church. We cannot be a community of common Christians. Common Christ followers. Because common Christians go nowhere. People who just show up at church, they hang out, they go home. Maybe they do some devotions. Maybe they even give. We can't be common. We can't be the Christian that, that dug a hole and buried his talents in the ground until the Master returned. We have to be uncommon Christians. We have to be uncommon followers of Jesus. Willing to reach outside ourselves to love, serve, and bless everyone with whom God places in our path. We have to come together to reach more people, to bless people who are coming to neighborhood church, to serve more of our schools, to share the Gospel outside the walls of our church. Church can't be about us coming to be served. Instead, we need to daily ask the question, how can I serve? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it best, the church is the church only when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. You know, it's time that every one of us asks the question, what more can I do for the kingdom of God? Many of you are already plugged in and serving, and to each of you who is playing a part in what God is doing at Neighborhood Church, thank you. Thank you for serving selflessly. And for those of you who are still looking for a place of meaningful connection and service, we have leaders who are going to be out in the lobby, tables that are set up with some of the different ministry opportunities that we have available. We also have other things that we're striving to do and desiring to do. You may have ideas and thoughts about where you feel like God is propelling you to. We'd love to hear those things. But God is moving our church forward. And we don't got, want to get caught missing what God is desiring to do in our community. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank You. We thank You for what You have called us to do and that You're desiring to work through each and every one of us. God, we thank You that You love us. That You have a plan and a purpose. This morning, we pray that You'd speak to our hearts. You'd engage us in the newness of what You're desiring to do in this season. Father, that we would be teachable and adaptable. That we would understand what it means to be committed. That we would understand that You've called us to Your purpose. So help us, Father. Help us to see Your hand at work. To step into what You're doing. To know that as we do, Father, that You will be glorified. That you, we will point people to You. Father, we love You and we thank You today for Your love. This morning, if you've not made this a decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, we want to give You that opportunity. We're talking about team. If we didn't allow You to join the, the team that God has put in place to have a relationship with You, we would be missing an opportunity for You to step into God's plan and purpose. 
So this morning, if your desire is to step into a relationship with Jesus, we're going to say a prayer. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So this morning, we're going to say this prayer together. And we would invite you to say this prayer with us, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Church, can we say this? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And He died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with You. I ask You today to come, come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for You today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we're going we're gonna to dismiss you, give you some time to go out into the lobby and check things out, some time to love on one another. You know, Gretchen and I were a part of a, a church for a number of years, and at the end of every service, they would say a, a little phrase that I always thought was a little bit peculiar until I really wrapped my brain around it. They'd finish up and they'd say, the service starts now. I was like, the service just ended. What are we talking about here? And then I was like, oh, the real service. The real service of loving people, of serving people, of blessing people, of reaching outside of ourselves. That starts now. And when we say let's be the neighborhood, that's what we mean. That our service and our love to people starts now. We walk out these doors. So as you face this week, God's going to bring people across your path. And we have a choice to be the neighborhood, to love them. So God bless you this week. We're excited for what God has in store. Let's go be the neighborhood. And let's bless people through our service.